Hello and welcome to another somber episode of On That Number. This week we have a special guest, a friend of the show and the return of Mark Griffiths. I'm your host Ray Hunt and together with the Moscow Mush, we'll try and break down what happened in yesterday's Watford game. And we're going to address the massive piece of news from Thursday involving Les Reed. We'll do the usual predictions, fantasy football, and you know we'll look ahead to the the, uh, the clash away to Fulham next. Uh, so without any further delay, let me bring in my partner. It's a partnership that clearly works better than Ings and Austin. The Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton, yep. and our returning guest, Mark Griffiths. Good afternoon, gents. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Sorry. Yes. Good morning. Good How evening. are you? I am. And evening for you. Yeah. yeah I am. <laughs> Yeah, all good over here from a very, very chilly Boston. Yes, how is life in Boston anyway, in general? It's good, it's good. World Series winners, so nice to see a team that actually wins something occasionally. Oh, you know, I was going to ask about that, actually. How, did you actually attend the Red Sox parade? No, because they decided to have it at 11am on a Wednesday. That's a bit shit, isn't it? It is, it's it Wednesday is. at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday. But, hey. Yeah, and as I was at work, so... Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you left behind... Southampton and this heap of crap football team and you've swapped it for the Red Sox who've just won the World Series the Celtics the Bruins Patriots so you've got some winning organizations there. we have but unfortunately the MLS team here are a bit crap so oh, wow. that's like normal we've just got one team here and you know how how good they are <laughs> well yeah so, yeah anyway Kev how are you yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's equally chilly here in Moscow, and um, well, today being the 11th of November 2018, um, I thought mm-hmm. I'd like to start by paying our respects to all of those who lost lost their lives in in both world wars. And um, I don't know if you saw the Saints unveiled a permanent memorial to the 28 former Saints who died in World Wars One and Two. So somber mood here. And we did our um, two minute silence. I made a. Uh the girl sit and watch the television for a bit and we uh we did our two minutes yeah i watched it yeah yeah it was nice so yeah anyway we're, we're recording on like three different time zones here aren't we so we got boston eastern time which is what eight half past eight in the morning yeah right, just Mark? gone just gone 8 30 and it's 1 30 in the afternoon here and mm-hmm. kev is what four half past, yeah half past four eastern european time so yeah we're, we're mm-hmm. spanning the continents this is good. This is good. Right. Great. Um, speaking of spanning the continents, uh, Southampton Football Club's international roundup. So the Saints, Ooh, yes. yeah, they'll be playing for their respective nations once again. So Yannick Vestergaard and Pierre Emile Hoiberg, um, yeah, they're playing in the Nations League for Denmark in their group decider against Wales and against the Republic of Ireland, for whom 18-year-old Michael Oberfemi. He's threatening Woo-hoo! Shane Long's place in Martin O'Neill's provisional squads. I'm, I'm chuffed about that. Um, Martin O'Neill's quite open about his reasons for that as well, is to fend off Nigerian interests. So I, I don't think he'll get into the, the, the final 23-man squad, but um, I'm, I'm really yeah, pleased for him. Um, but before that trip to Denmark, Ireland, uh, they play Stephen Davis's Northern Ireland in a friendly in Dublin. That's, yeah, for the first time in seven years. Yeah. It's a battle of Brexit, yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, Northern Ireland, they've got, to, they've got to beat Austria in Belfast to avoid relegation from their Nations League group. El Yunusi, um, his goal against Bulgaria, that means that Norway at the top of their group. They travel to Slovenia and Cyprus. And uh, there's a Nations League trip to Albania for Stuart Armstrong, Scotland. Uh, after that, they play Israel at home. 
uh, Scotland could still be promoted, so yeah, win there would be quite important. Jan Begnarek, he gets a call up for Poland. They're hosting the Czech Republic in a friendly in Gdańsk before a must-win Nations League match away at group leaders Portugal. Cedric gets an odd for them and a draw against Italy in Milan. That'll be enough for Portugal to go through the finals. So I think Cedric might get a look in uh, in the next match against Poland um, if they do qualify. Um, last of all, we've got Mai Yoshida. He's captain in Japan in friendlies against Venezuela and Kyrgyzstan. I'm sure that's going to be an absolute pun dinger. That'll be a belter. Yeah. Uh, well, hold your breath because Mario Laminia's Gabon. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. My favourite. Uh, they're hosting African Cup of Nations qualifying group leaders, Mali. Wow. Um, who's, okay. gonna, who's your money on that one then, Kev? Um, I'll fast stick it on the Bob Marley. <laughs> I'll put a bob on Marley. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, couple of, yeah, uh, young goalkeepers. Alex McCarthy. Could he finally make his senior England debut at Wembley? There's I think that. he possibly could. You know, because there's a testimonial for Rain, Wayne Rooney. Against yeah, I was saying if, if Wayne Rooney can play, then McCarthy can play. So. Well, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably, I don't imagine that he'd be there in the Nations League game against Croatia. No, probably go with Pickford again. But um, yeah, and Angus Gunn still looking for first team action for the under 21s. England uh, under 21s, they've already qualified unbeaten, and they've got two friendlies uh, against hosts Italy. Um, so yeah, Italy will be hosting the tournament, and yeah, then they play Denmark away. So yeah, hope finally that he gets into that under 21s team. Yeah, let's hope. Right now, that's out of the way. Any more news? (laughs) Right. Now, big, big news on Thursday. Les Reed leaving the club. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to hear, like, if we may, um, I'd like to start with all the positives he's done for the club during his tenure here. So, um, Mark, um, you'd like to start? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, he started on his first few seasons, I think. Some good recruitment, especially down League One, championship level. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, up into the Premier League for the first two or three seasons. But it went off the boil over the last two or three years, some poor signings, poor managerial appointments. Yeah. The thing is, we we just couldn't carry on doing it year after year. It had to give sooner or later. So, Is that, do you think, is that just the, 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 the difference between the leagues? That as well, yeah. And also, there's only so often you can keep finding players that no one else has found yet they're actually down to be half decent but this is what the black box is all for though surely yeah so didn't I can't remember the name off the top of my head now but someone else in that department aren't they at Tottenham now mm. I might oh, have been you're talking re- yeah I know what you mean it's the um oh bollock, bollock I can't remember his name but yeah he's he left us to go to Tottenham as a, re- a recruitment yeah so that obviously didn't help so Kev anything um well I, I, I suppose I, I think he's uh it become a, a kind of a victim of his own success. Um, when True. Marcus Lieper took over in 2010, and Reed oversaw that five-year plan that was supposed to take us from League One um, up until uh, up into the Premier League in five years. But then, yeah, by the time by 2015, we were already um, at the top echelons of the table and we were qualifying for Europe. And yeah, we've done that with some great managerial appointments, um, often brutal at times, I think in 
Adkins out for Pochettino. I know that was more Cortese's hand in it, but Reed was definitely there. And yeah, all of the signings that we could talk all day about the players that we signed in, in those years. Um, we've become very successful at, at buying up uh, good players from around Europe and promoting a, a brilliant youth system and getting players into the, the first team that way and then selling them on to the bigger clubs. And you've got to think that, well, if that was that five-year plan, that's kind of gone out the window, you know? And um, all the ambitions, I mean, beyond qualifying for Europe, I mean, what what sort of ambitions could the club have? So well, I, I think it, at the moment there's a kind of loss of direction. That it, yeah. If you if you want to become a, a one of the top teams, you've got to inject a huge amount of cash that we don't have. So yeah, what what direction is the club supposed to take? And I think that's well, a sort of ideological void that um, we're, we're still finding ourselves in. This is the thing that they were asking at the um, the AGM meeting at the start of the year. Um, we had a five-year plan. Mm. Um, what's the five-year plan now? And the only thing that he could say was that he wants to be consistently in Europe. Way off the mark now. Well, I mean, that, even that is going to... Ta- I mean, you, you kind of accept that with the managers and players that we had and the luck that we have there, that was kind of a, a one-off and then, OK, another one-off. But if you, mm. if you want to be consistent like that, that takes a huge amount of um, investment. And they haven't been making those investments. The players that we've been signing haven't been as good as the players that have been leaving no. and that's why we find ourselves in this situation so i'm guessing this leads on to my next question um is this the right time uh i, I don't see why not i mean it's, i'm su- surprised that after last season uh he was still there yeah because well i mean yeah we we were having the same people shouting on, on social media in the stadia everywhere saying um yeah pellegrino out Les Reed out, mm-hmm. um, Ralph Kruger out. Okay, but that's not going to happen. But and now we yeah no, exactly the same. Don't hold your <laughs> well, well uh, I don't know. I think what would it take for Ralph Kruger to to, to leave? Doesn't look I, like I, he's going to be pushed. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that Le, I think there's a lot that Les Reed and him together have got to be responsible for. Okay, but I mean, you can't have the co-pilot and the pilot jumping out of the aircraft. You've got to land it somehow. Well, I'm sure there's other people that can take over straight away. I don't even think they need to replace Les Reed. Not, not, not at all. They just need to replace Gruger. Poss- can you do it, Kev? Poss- well, give, it, give me the money, you know. <laughs> okay, so, so basically he took over in 2010, mm-hmm. and he was appointed at that point as the football development, um, head of the, f- the football development. Um, and later, of course, he went on to be vice chairman. Um, his main areas were Youth Academy, yep. Scouting and Recruitment, Mm-hmm. And sports science, which is, it includes includes the medicine. All so things. Like Mark, we've been like Mark said, he took over. Yeah, exactly. He took over. Like Mark said, in when we were in League One, he had a five year plan to get to the Premier League. He did it in three, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. And and Mark touched on it as well. His, his recruitment was good. Not you know not just the players but the managers as well. Mm-hmm. But you brought in like Mane, Van Dijk, Alderweireld, like Bertrand, Pella, Tadic. And again, you've got like healthy profit from all of those players apart from um, Bertrand. Um, but and again, like you said though, um, the problem is the players coming in haven't been on par with the people that we've had let go. Yeah, lost our touch. It sounds like it's been run like a business, you know, more than a you know than the, than the football club needs. Yeah, I mean, if that is the truth, then there, there can be no ambition, can there? No, um, Mark. Um, 
uh, yeah. basically Southampton is supposed to have like one of the best academies in the country, right? Yeah, well, but apparently. What's going on with the academy now? The current crop that we've got, like the players that we have now, like Harrison Reed, he's out at Blackburn. Sam Gallagher can't get a look in. Sam McQueen's out out at Borough. Matt Target can't get in. Um, Jake Hesketh's at Burton. Josh Sims is at Reading. Ryan Seeger is out at what Towstar. Michael Oberfemi, okay, he's coming through and he's been getting time, so I won't include him in this. But those players aren't really, really young either. They're like 23. They, the whole point of the academy is the focus of this development um, allows these kids to become Premier League players. But yeah. I don't think they are consistent Premier League players. Yeah, because like, compared to the quality before, you know, your Chambers, your Bale, Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, Lallana, Chamberlain, Lallana. Walcott, yeah, it can go on. Players. And it had, it had to sort of slow down at one point, but... But, but not, not hit a wall, yeah, and which also, is what it's done. Yeah, and also but it's Hughes as well, I think, because he's not the biggest fan of like young talent, or at least doesn't utilise it as much as he should. So, yeah. But at the end of the day, you can only, no matter how good your academy is, your recruitment is, you're only as good as the players that are in the academy. If, yeah. if they haven't got the talent, there's not much more you can do. You can give them all the opportunity you want. You can give them the best I'm academy quite, in the yeah. world. I'm quite sure that these players that we've got now coming from the academy are not good enough because, like I said, they're all out on loan. If any of these were Premier League quality players, that we would have kept them, especially now. We need we need an injection of these youngsters coming through. So it is really nice to see Oberfemi get minutes as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Hughes is giving him. They all seem they all seem like okay players, but no one with that extra something special like your Bales had or your Chambers had or you know Bridges, your Lars. There's no extra sort of X factor for any of these players. Yeah. Um. And moving on, like to the black box as well. Um. It has done some good. It's. I think I think what the problem is I think when when they like lose players some for, for instance take Wanyama when he left I think we got was it Romeo we got as his replacement yeah still there um, Lalana went um, Tadic come in so it's kind of like similar sort of players maybe Tadic isn't quite up to the standard of, of Lalana but it does it, it work it's work with um with managers as well apparently though when I I read that when Kuman um before he had left. They had candidates to replace him like a year before, already, and yeah. there was like fifty-page documents on potential new managers. And Claude Puel will come out on top of that. Now, Kev, I know you you quite you're quite a fan of Claude Puel. You don't think he should have gone, but yeah. after Kuman, this black box, we you know we got Puel from it. Uh, that's the thing with Puel. I think on paper, he was fine. You know, eighth position, we beat into Milan, we got to the cup final. On paper, brilliant, but just on the pitch, was just dull football. He wasn't particularly imaginative. Uh, yeah, I, not at all. I'll just say that I think he did the best with the players that he had. I mean, even then... Yeah, can we you not say the same quality. about Mark Hughes now, though? Quite possibly, yeah. I, th- I think um, that's why I'm being so lenient on Mark Hughes, but just because I don't think the quality of the squad's there. And he has sure. a little bit of bad luck, but yeah. I, how much more could you do with that squad? I don't yeah, I was, I was reading today an article today saying with Hughes saying he has limited input on the transfer front, so it could be the fact that these aren't the players he wants to get the results he wants. No, this is what I'm saying. Mark Hughes has been given a bad hand, and he is doing the best with what he's got. Now, I heard this as well, Mark, that he had nothing to do with that Alinusi transfer when he 
was asked to like finalize this deal the, the deal was already going ahead regardless so he he hasn't had, i mean it just makes you think how much i think it shows yeah exactly shows, how much shows in the squad choices each week that he puts in um danny ings and practically none of the players that were signed over the summer he's clearly got sure, his yeah. favorites yeah um but going back to les reed as well so basically his his business approach i'd say is that he's been he's bought low and he's sold high and we've almost been like a lucrative feeder club to liverpool and there's some there's been some dreadful deals there players actually that are still on the books that no one will buy this summer i mean you got Jordi classy all right he was only what was he about eight eight nine million quid um not not a massive fee buffal Mm -hmm. 16 million pounds where is he korea uh Carrillo, 19 million, like a record fee, 19 million. And that loan is like heavily subsidised as well. So that's draining the wage bill. Fraser, um, Fraser Foster. Forster, he is possibly the highest paid third choice goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> and, he, you know, he, and he can't even get on the bench. Um, and guess what, right? He signed a five-year deal in the summer. So he is earning millions of pounds for doing fuck all. I don't even know how that um, contract negotiations went ahead. How, how could the... Like you sit Fraser Forster down in the office and you say, "Oh, we we, we want we're going with McCarthy. We want we want to take him as number one. Oh, and we've just signed Angus Gunn. So instead of saying we're gonna we're gonna you know sell you, ship you off, they're giving him a five year deal. Yeah, I'd I'd like um, his agent to work for me. I'm sure I'll be a millionaire by next season. This is awful business. It's terrible. Yeah, and then it doesn't it doesn't stop there. You've got like people like Gaston Ramirez. Twelve million quid was a failure. Um, Florin Gardos, six million quid. He played like five games in four years or whatever. I mean, at least we you got put... rid of um, Ramirez yeah. to Barra. <laughs> but... but not for 12 million quid. Yeah. And you put all those fees together and it comes to around 84 million pounds. You factor in all the wages and the, and the agent fees and everything that goes along with it. That amounts to all the profits they made from Van Dyke, Mane and Klein. Mm. So that, that's terrible. That is horrible. That's horrible work. And, you know, the, the budget has been swallowed up by, by players, by, by problems created in the past by Les Reed and Kruger. The wage bills of the players that we can't sell and that we don't use. It's, it's a mess. What, 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 what next for the next three years? Um, is there an answer? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to say that I think it was the right time that Les Reed went because I think he's crippled this club, or he's going to, if he if he'd have stayed on. Hmm. It's a very deep hole that he dug for us now. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's part of the issue. Like our overs, our quick success up from the chat, up from League One to the Premier League, and then overperforming for two or three seasons is part of that problem because we set the bar too high. And with these signings, it's only letting go of the, letting go of two or three of them every season. You you mm-hmm. can't keep replacing them all the time. You're going to get a few duff signings in there. But this is the bad thing as well. We can't get rid of these players that are duff. Nobody fucking wants them, and we're still paying their wages. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's yeah, it's bad business. And and I and like like you, like Kevin, you've said about Mark Hughes that you're quite leaning on him. Um, I've said yeah that he's inherit, inherited this bad squad. Um, it hasn't and you touched on the fact that he hasn't had anything to do with these transfers. Yeah, and I I just think that. Um, I mean, the okay. After Adkins, we had um, Pochettino and Kuman who mm-hmm. very much had their own style. 
Um, Pochettino brought a lot of youth through. Kuman didn't. Yep. But they, they were... No, Kuman didn't like it, no. No, and yeah, and he, he kind of placed a lot of flack for that. But mm-hmm. all the same, they had their own styles. They, they made good signings and uh, they took control of the team and did their own thing. And the managers that we've had since then, uh, Puel, Pochettino, Hughes, they've very much just towed the line and let the club uh, make the decisions for them. And they've ended up with these yeah. four players. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if it is Kruger and uh, and Les Reed that have been orchestrating these signings, then they, they should mm-hmm. definitely take responsibility for them. My question is, um, what's going to happen in this January transfer window? I'm just, just about to ask you that. Yeah. Does that mean that um, if Hughes is still here, I mean, say we, we, we go and beat Watford. Uh, sorry, not Watford. That didn't happen. Say we go and beat Fulham. Yeah, so we go and beat Fulham next. Um, he keeps his job. We go on a little bit of a run. Um, does Mr. Gal trust Kruger and Hughes to bring in some decent players in January? I think he's going to have to put his hands in his pockets if he still wants to own a Premier League football club. I'm not so sure it's going to happen. I think I, um, I don't know how true the article was that I read, but it did look like it said that he doesn't want to invest any more money. Especially in January, he might be sitting on it a bit and waiting till um till the summer. Yeah. I don't know. It might just be a rumor. Last thing, if he sits on it and waits for the summer, then we could be a championship club by then. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it looks it looks dead certain to be that way anyway. I think um. So yeah, it's not. It's just bloody horrible at the moment. And reading reading and listening to this, it's just uh, I'm almost certain that we're going to get relegated now. So unless there's oh, yeah. a, a clear change of strategy in the, and and, yeah. and there's someone in charge who who does have at least some ambition and that there is something that the owners are willing to invest in, then then it does look inevitable, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, but uh, but they're like like you say, Mark Mark Hughes is whichever way you look at it, we are a bad side, right? He's not had the freedom in terms of transfers. And I would challenge any manager to come in right now and make this team winners because I don't think I don't think it's possible. The team that they've got and the the players that they're they're working with right now, I don't think it's possible well, to win. I would challenge challenge you to find a manager that would be yeah, exactly. willing to come to this club. You know exactly. That's my point. So I, I don't see why they don't hang on to Hughes. Yeah. But yeah, so, sorry about this, Mark. You're like you've just woken up. And <laughs> sorry. Just back to this. That's all right. <laughs> But um, unfortunately, it doesn't get any better because we're going to go and talk about Watford now. Yeah. Um, Kev, do you want to start us off? Um, okay. Well, <laughs> um, where do we start? I don't know. They, they they started looking a little bit positive. Dealt with um, a couple of chances that Watford had in the first half, and I don't know. This, you know, what this is probably the first match that I haven't looked forward to in in any possible way. Even, not even, even, not even when you saw the starting lineup and you thought, "Oh, Gabbiadini in." Okay, well, I mean, the the day of the match, you know, because I, I I've been sort of, you know, normally I, I even if I feel sort of negative, like, "Oh, we're not going to get anything for us," you're going to thrash us or whatever. But on the day of the match, you, you go there thinking, "Well, well, I could could be witnessing, you know, the first time that the players put in an effort and get something out of the game, even if they lose at this time." Oh my god! But I, I don't know. Mm. But the yeah, the starting squad kind of confused me. Um, How? Why? Well, Yoshida's been out of favour for so long. Um, okay, I mean, I like him, but um, 
yeah, it seems like Hughes has decided that he's he's either not good enough or not fit enough for the first team, and then decided, well, yeah, I still haven't figured out my uh, my back pairing, so why not um, stick Yoshi up there with 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 Hoop? Yeah, I don't understand that. And um, Armstrong starting, yeah, he's kind of been out of favour. Don't you think Armstrong needs some minutes, though? He does need some minutes, but, you know, um, I just don't know where, what his reasoning is behind. I suppose we never will, but is it just to try and try something new, or is it because he's yeah. shown something good in training? Who knows? Right. And then Ings and Gabbiadini. Now, Gabbiadini is another player who Hughes hasn't been, well, seemingly a big fan of. Um, yeah, and he gets to start. Okay. Um, I don't know. But yeah, do you think it smacks of desperation? Just like just that, do whatever we can right now to try and get something out of this game. Yeah, I mean, didn't mix it up, you know, throw the dice and see what happens. Like what? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit of that definitely. But um, um yeah, got, sorry, go on. Yeah, we got a goal quite quite quickly. Um, yeah, I, I I looked a bit like um, Charlie Austin there. I was just. <laughs> You know, running around, like banging into things and just screaming, like "Yes!" First, first Premier League um, goal at St Mary's since October 2017, and was it three three hundred and ninety-one days? Okay. Wow. Yeah. 2017. Oh my god. Mm. Yeah. Um. Mark, what did you um? What did you make of the game? Yeah. So, it started well. I yeah. thought. Because there was a few eyebrows raised when Gabbiadini and Ing were starting up front. And we were saying, oh, Gabbiadini hasn't scored in a while. And I thought, well, because the rest of our strikers are so prolific. Yeah, none of them have scored in a while. <laughs> so I thought, you've got to give it a go. Like you, if Ings is the only one who's scoring, really. So it long, it's weirdly long. You know how I feel how long. I'm not his biggest fan, but he does run around a lot all day. Mm. And, but Gabby Dean and Austin should be scoring more. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see us actually score from open play for a change. Yeah, yeah, goal for the first time well. in, what, six, seven games, maybe? Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, what, are your, what are your views on Wesley Hoot? Because I'm sure, you know, <laughs> listening to the show, you hear us talk about um, Hoot quite a bit. How he still gets his place... Week after week, I don't oh, know. I don't know. He was fucking dreadful. With the ball at his feet, I wince every single time. I think there was a little bit of a passage of play where he had the ball. Um, he gave it away, and somehow he got the ball back again. And he gave it away again. I was just like, for Christ's sake, what is he doing on the field? Why give away the, the ball once when you can give away the ball twice? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. He was, he was happy to experiment you know, sort of with the pair of strikers up front. You know, different sort of rotate them and different pairings. So why not try it at the back? It always seems to be hard yeah. to plus whoever yeah, he fancies that week. Whoever. He's, he's tried every single centre-back pairing with who. <laughs> yeah, and so why not Does he, try does he not realise that he is the problem? <laughs> yeah. Just why? <laughs> just try Vestergaard and Yoshida for a couple of games. Fuck it, try me. Work, I don't care. Why don't, why, don't, why don't you just try me and Kev? It cannot be worse. <laughs> well, I've seen you play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... I don't know, because Hill was one of those. Like, he did cost a, quite a bit of money and come from the Serie A, so... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> At least he scored um, recently. 
so let, let's let's take. I'm just going to talk about the referee and that shocking oh, decision. Um, I'm going to go straight into that. Kev, what what was the referee? I mean, was it? Well, okay, I think did he say? Did he say it was offside? Um, because he thought Yoshida touched the ball, or because he was blocking Ben Foster's view? I've I've heard both versions, but um, yeah, I think initially. Um, they, they thought that Yoshida headed it, but then yeah, they made the argument that he was uh, blocking the keeper. But he was neither. He was miles away. Absolutely miles away. Absolutely terrible. I know you've been quite vocal about that as well, Mark. Um, yeah, you can tell by the reaction of the old Foster, the keeper. If he had been blocked by Yoshida, if Yoshida had touched it, he would be the first shouting at the ref, shouting at the linesman, saying disallowing yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah i agree yeah and yeah. so that reaction should have told the referee all he needed to know and with um charlie austin's rant at the end of the game did you see that oh that yeah fantastic. um that is brilliant i think if he does get a ban or a fine for it i think we should like start like a fundraising page and have a whip around so. yeah and just pay for it for him i'd love that um it is a joke back, yeah at the back of that um var need to come in um, I suppose this is the sort of thing you have to accept if there isn't VAR, but I suppose it's inevitable that it's going to come in one day. But then again, we have to talk about the, um, the penalty shout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that should have been given. Yeah. I, if VAR, if we have we had been using VAR, then that you know, okay, Saints one would have would have counted, but then so should of the penalty. And also, Bertram was on a yellow card then as well, so that would have been a straight. That would that would have been a red card. And a penalty. Yeah. Um, but obviously, they've taken away the goal. But obviously, they, yeah, they should have given the penalty. But, of course, he could have missed the penalty. So, it's not as if he... He could have missed the penalty. But the then we would, so. he, he could have missed the penalty, but we still should have been down to 10 men, surely. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, it's it's a tough one. So, I mean, I looking back at the Austin, Austin goal, mm. it's just hard to swallow. Yeah, really. Um, it's just and... when things aren't going your way, they're really not going your way, are they? No. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think I think there is a little bit of comedy. It sort of balanced itself out that there was I hate that, that penalty shot. I hate that. I think either the, that either that penalty um, or the disallowed goal, uh, they they could have been turning points in the match, um, either against us or for us. Um, so they, yeah, that first one went for us. Uh, if, they, if they'd have got a penalty and assumed that they would have scored it and equalised, uh, you know that that would have just taken the wind out of our sails and they would have ploughed on and and won the match. Um, but yeah, okay, they didn't get the penalty. And then when when um, yeah when, that, when Austin scored, I just couldn't believe it. I just thought, wow, you know, this is the point where not only the match is turned around, but our entire season could potentially be turned around. Just to give them their confidence. They've scored two goals from open play. Could mm-hmm. quite easily keep a clean sheet as well. Um, winning in front of the home fans. And they'd have their confidence back for the international break. But then, yeah. Again, usual Saints story. Minutes before full-time. Let in a goal. And, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a tragedy talk about. Yeah, What um, was Suarez doing? Uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about this, <laughs> this equaliser. Um, I was just going to say, I mean, by the <laughs> your response, I'm going to, I was going to ask, was it avoidable? 
I think uh, I already know the answer to that. Basically, the ball shouldn't have been crossed from Dini. No. At the start. No. Um, and then Yoshida at the, at the near post. And then, okay, Mark, since you brought it up, this whole Cedric thing, I'm guessing you're talking about the hands behind his hands back. Hands on the back. And I, obviously, yeah, don't stick a hand out of the way. But the fact that he's sticking his hand and like, trying to get like move, move out of the way of it, it's like you're a defender. You're supposed to stop the ball getting anywhere near the goal. So... I think, though, I do have some of the players that, that don't put their hands behind their back. They, they have been burned in the past where it has hit them and they've been given the yellow card. OK, but it looks like a modern dance routine. Like When they saw yeah. the replay, I just thought it's going on. Hands behind the back, turn around, fall down, fall down on the yeah. floor, do a push-up <laughs> uh, and watch the ball yeah. go in the net. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, nice one. thing is, the rule states, if you've got your arms above your head or, you know, out to the side, like clearly out to the side, or in an unnatural position, the ball and it hits your hand, it's going to be a penalty. If your arms are by your side and the ball hits it, it's not a penalty anyway. Mm. So there's, they, they don't have any reason to put the hands behind their back. But like I said, they have been burned in the past before. I think if you have got them behind your back, it just rules it out completely. But then again, you look like a complete swat when the ball just goes right through. Well, it's, it's not just the hands behind the back, it's just that he, he, he turn, yeah. turns his back to the ball back, and it? just You can see over. that Gavidini tried to get the ball as well. He actually, he was busting a gut to get that back and obviously he got a touch on it and the, the touch is what took it in. But mm. yeah, Cedric didn't do enough. Um, Yoshida didn't do enough. Um, I think it was Hoot, yeah. surprised, that didn't, that didn't do enough. Could, yeah, could have been, been Hoot We had one or two mm. chances to get rid of the ball before he even got to yeah. the, the guy who scored. So... And then from there, Watford finished the stronger, didn't they? They looked like they were going to go and win the game. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised that, if they had. No, there was a horrible moment as well when um, there was I think it was a corner towards the end of the game and the cross come in and McCarthy come out and punched it and he actually punched it at Yoshida's head, head yeah. ricocheted off his head and hit the crossbar. And I yeah. thought this is typical. It's going to happen, but no, they hung on and you know and. The Austin, Austin, Austin was irate at the end. Did you see him at the yeah, oh, just on the pitch? Human. Yeah, the the interview was just TV gold. If you mm. haven't seen it, watch it. it oh was, yeah, I saw that. It was great. Yeah, we we need more post post match interviews like that. Just say it as yeah. it's here. Brilliant. Um, Hughes as well. You felt Hughes was a little bit reserved, but he, I suppose he didn't really need to. If 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 um Austin had said that, he just saved him a fine, I think. But he, not in, in as many words, said that the ref was, you know, at fault for the game really yeah I mean he does deflect the blame a lot and when he said it's like it's just not good enough uh, I thought yeah I agree I'm, I'm glad you're finally um, you know waking up to the fact that the team's not good enough and then he starts having a go at the ref like oh okay it's the referee this time is it okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah talking of talking to the referee in post-match interviews I'm a big fan of like the referee if a referee made a controversial decision that's like this guy made twice in the game they should come out after the game and say, yeah. and be asked, Defend why did you make that decision? And at least then, I, at least then in, they can in, say, I saw this, I saw that, and you can disagree. But at least in fairness to the, the referee, rationing. though, it was a team effort. I think you can see. Um, I don't. Know, I was watching one match analysis where the ball actually hit the back of the net. Um, the referee was looking over as a, as a, at his assistant, so I don't think he knew. And I think it was down to the assistant. So from his angle, he thought Yoshida's hit that. That's it, and he's told the rest. So, in fairness to the referee, I don't think it was it was totally it was all him. But it, you know, it, the, 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 it does fall on his shoulders at the end of the day. Yeah, but it's nice to say, like, I spoke yeah. to my, third, so to linesman, he saw he thought he saw this. And at least you can understand the rationale behind why they gave that decision, whether you agree yeah. with it or not. So, bottom line, 
Saints defence is not good enough at this level. No. Um, there hasn't been a consistent centre-back pairing. I think you, you do need two players that are consistent there. Um, he has been the only constant, hasn't he, Who And he's probably the worst of the lot out of all of them. So, yeah, I just think take him out take him out of the team and put somebody else and anybody else in that will do. I don't care if it's a centre-forward playing back there. Just put anybody else back. back well, give, give Vestergaard and Yoshida a couple of games together. Well, why? I mean, Kev... Kev, Kev, you're a fan of Bednarek, aren't you? Why not give him a go? Yeah. He's playing consistently for Poland. Yeah, well, I don't and see he, why not. Yeah, he's, he can't be anywhere. I don't understand what, what Hoot is doing in training. He spent know. all that money on Janet Vestergaard. Was it was it 15 million from Borussia Mönchengladbach? 18, 18, 18 million, million. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's just not been utilised at all, really. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going wrong with that. Um... He's got. To, he's got to admit that that was a mistake. That that signing. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, that leaves us in seventeenth position, on eight points. We've gone down one, and also Newcastle winning again for the second week in a row, and Cardiff won as well yesterday. So yeah, we're only a make... goal difference, aren't yeah. we? So. Yeah, and it does make this. I know we've said it for the Newcastle game, for the Bournemouth game, and we said it for the Watford game, but this next game is massive. Absolutely. It is absolutely mad. Fulham. So they play Fulham on Saturday the 24th of November at 3 o'clock. Uh, Kev, do you know what that date is? Um, I Is it Martin Luther King's birthday? Oh, no, it's your birthday. It's my birthday. Do you know what I want for my birthday? Saints win. I want three fucking huge points. <laughs> I want to destroy Fulham. How, yes. how old are you going to be? Um, 30-something. 30-something. Well, we'll stuff them 30-something nil, and you'll get your present. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so for the Fulham game, Bertrand suspended, picked up a yellow card. There are too many yellow cards now. Um, Ings pulled up in the warm-up in yesterday's game, actually, but he probably shouldn't have started the game. Yeah, he got through about um, half an hour or so, and then before yeah, he was sent off. So. And then they put Austin on. Um, Long is facing a possible operation in his ankle as well. Um, so it, Is that an overuse injury? Well, yeah. <laughs> And was it Ing? Yeah, Ing. Hopefully, Ings can shake it off during the international break and maybe um, play some part in that game. But otherwise, it's going to be it's probably going to be Gabbiadini and Austin to start. Um, and you'd you'd expect Matt Target to come in for for Bertrand. But Kev, let's talk Fulham. Okay, before Wo- we do, woeful. Um, I I want to um, turn the tables a little bit and ask you, gentlemen, uh, who's your man of the match? Um, probably Gabbiadini because he scored. <laughs> um, I th- yeah, I thought Bertrand had a decent game. I thought Redmond had a decent game as well. Um, well, I say decent. It was again. It's kind of like picking the uh, the best of a bad bunch. Um, Charlie Austin for his great post match interview. <laughs> yeah, he didn't play the whole game, did he? Um, yeah, I, 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 from what I saw, I would say I would say I'd give it to Bertrand. Um, I, was not, I, I think Lamina impressed me um, this time. I think he, he was all all over the place, always trying to get <clears throat> always trying to get a touch, and um, uh, always battling for the ball and, and trying to win it. And um, yeah, I think even in the goals, I, I, I can see his his hand in in, in well, can we say both of them? But yeah, every every time that we had an attack, he seemed to be a part of it at some point. So yeah, I I can yeah I'll stand up my Bertrand thing. I mean, apart from the the uh, the booking and the the penalty that he probably should have given away yeah um he had a lot of prominent attacks like that left hand side and 
I think he set up the um, Armstrong chance as well. Oh. Um, that probably should have scored. I just thought, yeah, I thought he made an effort more so than Cedric to get forward. Um, but then, you know, Redmond, as I say, he was doing the same thing and he set up the goal that, that wasn't as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably, yeah, it's one of those two. And yeah, as Mark said, Austin for the, uh, for the interview. After and not even just for the interview, but for just for the passion that yeah. he showed. No, he yeah, really wanted that. Nice. Yeah, we need more so like much passion on the Yeah, we do, yeah. Okay. So yeah, anyway, back to back to Fulham. Um, so yeah, like I said, not a very good record. They've had one win from 11, eight losses, and that's, well, actually, nine losses now, because they've just lost to Liverpool. Oh, it was a punishment. Um, yeah, 2-0. Um, Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> um, six, that's six straight losses now. Uh, their only win was back in August, and that was against fellow strugglers Burnley. Um, they've been struggling for goals as well, like Scherler and Mitrovic, uh, like 80% of their, their goals. They're rock bottom of the league. They got a goal difference of minus. Well, I don't even know what it is. Minus uh, 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've just let in two net, two more. So it's minus I'm 20. Now, yeah. um, five points. <sighs> Nothing less than three points. We we need here, right? Yeah. I mean, if yes, Newcastle yeah. were bad, then yeah. Um, yeah, Fulham are in an even worse position. I mean, the the teams below, <laughs> well, the teams that used to be below us, but below and around us. <laughs> So yeah, Newcastle, uh, Palace, Cardiff, Huddersfield—they've—they've they've all been getting the odd result, and um, they've really stepped up the competition to, to avoid going into that uh, that relegation zone. With the exception of Fulham, now if we can't beat Fulham, we're just truly fucked. And I think okay. Hughes—I I think his position would be untenable if he can't win. Beat okay, that's, that was my next question. I was going to ask you, Mark, if if we lose to Fulham or if we don't get three points against—sorry, yeah—if you don't get three points against Fulham. Is Hughes out? Well, you can't see, can't see how it would stay really. If, no. Because if you can't beat the team, every team needs to beat the team around them. You know, for us that seems like Fulham, Newcastle, Palace, Watford. Well, Watford aren't around us, but Huddersfield, yeah. Huddersfield, you need Huddersfield to beat coming up in December. Yeah, Cardiff you need to as well. Beat Cardiff as well, yeah, we'll say. Because. You know, as much as we'd like to get some points, say, away to City, away to United, Liverpool, Chelsea, the chances of us picking up more than one point out of any of those games is low. So we need to yeah. maximise the amount of points we're getting against Fulham and Watford and Newcastle. And we're just yeah. not doing that. And also, if we, uh, if we don't beat Fulham or if we get a point against Fulham, which is a horrible result... <laughs> the next two games are Man United <laughs> and Spurs. Well, no, yeah. Two easy ones, then. Yeah, so... You'd think if they don't beat Fulham, they're bottom of the league now. Surely the next three games are just that that difficult. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. games. I know, I know it's not even halfway through the season yet, but the games are running out already. There's only so you know you you have to play everyone. Sure, but the, you know we've already played teams like Newcastle, and we. You need to get those points in the bank, don't you? you before you. Those points up, yeah. You need to be picking those points up, and then the ones that you get battered six one. 3-0 to Chelsea, Liverpool, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter so much because you're expected to lose those games. But as I say, this one, yeah, it's crucial. Anything else you want to add about Fulham, Kev? Um, uh, well, I mean, they do have a good goal scorer in Mitrovic. I mean, he started the season really well. Um, their problem is just they just leak goals left, right and centre. So yeah. that, that, that's really our only hope if we can, if you know, you can hold them off and, um, I don't know, whatever our... Uh, attacking pairing is going to be for then 
um, yeah, if they can get some good chances, that I reckon that um, we might have a little bit of freedom to do what we want, and hopefully we'll get at least one goal and keep yeah. a clean sheet. I agree. It's a it's a weak defensively from Fulham. They're a weak outfit. Mm. We need to be punishing teams like that. Uh, yeah, like you say, whoever we've got. So prediction, Kevin, you go first. One 0 Saints. I was gonna go the same. Uh, um, I may change it now. Um, Should we hear Mark first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mark. <sighs> it's away, isn't it? Uh, is it Craven Cottage? Yeah, it is. It is a Craven Cottage. Uh, that makes a difference. You can't score at home. Either. Um, <laughs> no. <okay. laughs> yeah, 1-0. Mate, it, mate could be in Mark Hughes' back garden and we still ain't going to win. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <Right. laughs> to, to be honest, if, if they were in my back garden, I was close to curtains. But, you know. <laughs> You're going to say 1-0 as well? I'll say 1-0, yeah. 1-0 okay, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I was going to go 1-0, but I've, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to change it. I can't see Saints winning 2-0. I think a draw is more likely, mm. so I'll go nil-nil. Okay, I think the points are yours, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had the same conversation last time. One of us went. Uh, yeah. One of us went. I went for a Watford win, and you went for a Saints I, win. That's right. Said, yeah. Of course they're going to draw, and they did. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to that as well. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I said one-nil Saints. You said two-one Watford. Mm. So no points. Um, scores still remain twenty-five, twenty-three to me. Um, and we did say last week as well, so something's got to give next week, unless it's a draw. And of course, and it was. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that means that Saints are going to lose, then, does it? Oh dear. Oh uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Mark, maybe maybe you should go for a Fulham win then. then we, go go on, one 0 Fulham. Why not? <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, fantasy football, Kev. Yes. Okay. Um, we had a few additions to our fantasy football league this week, but um, yeah, the I saw. Top of the table is uh, still dominated by the troika of Marcus Fanshaw's Real Deal FC, Craig Harris's Harris Saint-Germain, and my own by Kev Akusen. Um I think I am catching. Uh, yeah, the, the game week hasn't quite finished yet. I've still got a few um, Aguero yeah, um, my captains left to play. Well, you've got Liverpool, Fulham has just finished. You've got Chelsea, Everton at 2.15, which has just kicked off. Um, you've got Arsenal Wolves at 4.30 and you've got the Manchester Derby at 4.30 also. That's going to be a tasty one. Yep. So, yeah, um, it looks looks like Marcus Fansworth's top for that. Um, yeah. Uh, but in the game week, I did all right, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you had Harry Kane as captain and he scored. Higgins got a goal. No, Harry Kane didn't score. No, no didn't he not. set up the one for... Well, yeah, the, the shot, which it, led to the chance, which led to the goal, I think. So. Yeah, he didn't score. No. Bam. Him, he played. But also, I mean, I had Ings, who went off mm. injured. And I had Bertrand, who got booked. But yeah, I made a few changes. I put Bellerin in, I put Aki in, um, I put Brooks in. I took out Vestergaard. For some reason, I had Vestergaard in my team. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah I don't know why. Um, but yeah, he's gone. Um, I, had to, I, I, I wanted to take Ings out, because, as I say, he, he was... He was injured, but then my team name would have to change, and well, I can't do it. Yeah, and you had him in then, and yeah. he got an assist this week, so you're sorted. Yeah, cool. But just might be able to use him next time. But yeah, Mark, you know what? You should join our league. I, I, should, I should get around to that. Um, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll still read out the like the game week scores and stuff like that. We need to um um post up the thing on Twitter as well and get more people to join our league. Yeah, we'll keep harassing them until. 
until we've got yeah. a nice big league. Cool. And then we can just roll it over for next season as well. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add, Kevin? Uh, just, just up the Saints. Come on. Up the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark, right. Thank you for coming on, um, especially as it's early in the morning for you. No, no. Um, yeah. Anyway, Mark, follow Mark on Twitter. You can find him at, um, at Mark G one nine eight five one. That's all underscores, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, give him a follow. He's pretty active on our um, on our side. He always gets involved in our polls and and everything like that. So yeah, give him a follow. Um, hit him up on Twitter and chat to him about it. He knows his stuff. Um, and also, if you would like to give us a review on iTunes as well, everyone, um, it will help us grow. Um, follow us on Twitter as well, at Number Podcast. Find us on Facebook. Um, email us on in that number podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, just get in touch. Just send us anything and uh, yeah, we'll read it. Kev? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Sent me into a trance, yeah. Up the same. <laughs> yeah. Come on, thanks. <laughs> right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Up the Saints. Cheers. Not the Saints. Not the Saints.